Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I've launched a brand new culture and politics podcast called Can You Hear Me Shaking My Head? I know some of you may want to avoid hearing any political talk at all, but I've been bringing on writers of hit TV shows as well to talk about their process, and the discussions have been really cool. I'd really appreciate it if you popped your head over to the podcast and gave it a listen. Again, it's called Can You Hear Me Shaking My Head? And it's definitely a different version of me you haven't heard. And I think you'll find it equally entertaining and insightful. Why the hell was Dave Fisdale fired? What happens to the Clippers now that Blake is out? Which other coaches are on the hot seat? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show. As always, I'm joined by uh, Dave Dufour. Dave, thanks for joining us today uh, post-Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good one. Uh, yeah, it was very relaxing. Uh, that's always good. Did you have a turkey? Uh, I did. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't sound too yeah. excited, but okay. I had a good time. It, it was fun. Nice. Um, okay, and it, it perhaps looks like you're frozen. Let me see. Are you frozen on the other side here? You are. Well, so much for uh, Skype. Skype working. God, Skype is terrible. But at least we can hear you, and you sound you sound much better than you look anyway. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. A beautiful <laughs> so, man. You have a beautiful voice, though. So let's not there let's not go. knock it. Um, <laughs> let's break in. We have some breaking news we should get into right away, and maybe while you're talking, uh, I will fix your audio or your video. But um, okay. So what we have here, we have um, breaking news on Blake Griffin. What do you? David hear? Aldridge. Uh, David Aldridge reporting that it's a sprained MCL. Um, which probably means, you know, four to six weeks. But that's enough to, to kill their season. I mean, can we argue that season was kind of already killed at this point or not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it definitely hasn't been good. Uh, losing Taya Dosich, losing Beverly for the year. And now... Wait, Beverly has not lost for the year. I thought he was out for like three months. No, he had microfracture surgery. He is out for the year. You're thinking of Paul Millsap, who's out for like three months. No, well, that was the risk. But no, I, I thought, okay, I must have missed the the, total, the, the prognosis. And that, yeah, that's going to kill them. Um, they're yeah, they're, already do, they're eight, done. Yeah, they're already 8-11, and 11, 10th place, um, you know, a half game in front of the Lakers. for. Although, yeah, that reflects last night's game. So, um, yeah, I, it's interesting to know because I think people have hope and they're fans and they want their teams to do well. But I have to imagine that, like, if you if you win eight of the first twenty games of the season, then like you're pretty much guaranteed never to make the playoffs at that with that start. Yeah, um, yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is going to be a free agent this summer. Uh, I think it's probably they're probably going to start shopping him. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, what's the market look like? I don't know because Marcus Saul may also be on the market. I don't know. Uh, that's interesting. Although I wonder if that, how that would work. Uh, you also have to then bring in the hot seat, which we'll talk about in a second because somebody just already burned his ass on it. But we have some coaches now. Doc, I have to imagine. Well, how about this? With the injuries, does Doc, does that save his job? So, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing, right? Like now there's the excuse. Uh, we've got all these injuries. Of course, we didn't perform the way that, you know, that we would. Um, I think that, 
you know, next season is the last year of his deal, so he'd be going into a lame duck season. I don't know. I think Doc is probably out. You think he's out before the end of the year? I don't know about that. He may, he may make it through the season, but I think he's out uh, definitely by the, by the middle of the summer. By, by the time the draft happens, he's out. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree. I think the, 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 um, this was all laid, the groundwork was laid last season or before this season started when they got rid of him as, as GM, right? That just seems like that was the first step to, to preparing themselves for firing him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, how often do people take a demotion and then stick around? It doesn't happen often. Right. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, I, and I think it's time. I think he's been there long enough. I think it's just, you know, he, he wanted out of Boston when he didn't want to be part of a rebuild. And this is now clearly a rebuild again. And unless he likes the lifestyle and wants to just be in L.A. or simply likes a job, which he might not right. have. Um, you know, if he loses this job, let's say, I, I wonder, do you think he gets another one? Um, yeah, I think so. I think he's a good enough coach that, uh, that, yeah, he'll stick around and, um, you know, he's, I mean, he won a title and those guys usually get chance after chance after chance. And, uh, so yeah, I, I would imagine he probably gets another job, maybe a couple years. Um, I know that there was a lot of talk about him going to Orlando, but oh. Frank Vogel kind of turned things around a little bit. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I would definitely say if, if Doc is a free agent, watch for Orlando. Got a lot of ties yeah. with that organization. All right. They're going to try and uh, try and find the magic. Uh, no pun <laughs> intended again, I yeah. suppose, even though there wasn't much there when he was there the first time. So, uh, yeah. All right. We'll have to see. I, I'm, I would be surprised. But then again, uh, nothing surprised me more than opening my phone up the other day, yesterday, to find out that, that Dave Fisdale was fired from the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, was that a surprise to you? Yeah, it was a shock, actually. You know, we, we all saw the Gasol benching and, and heard his, you know, his comments after that game. And I guess that there's a, there was a lot more fire in Memphis than the smoke was showing because I, I wouldn't have thought that, that they had all these issues, but of course, right after that happened, you hear, Hey, um, Fisdale rubbed a lot of the veterans the wrong way and all this other stuff. And my, my only, like, as I'm trying to unpack it myself, my only thought is, well, you know, he came from the heat organization. Maybe he tried to bring in some of that heat culture. Hey, you're going to be in shape. You're going to, you know, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. And we, we've heard about veterans in Miami not liking that, you know, signing with the Heat and not enjoying the rigors that they put them through. I mean, they have hard practices. You've got uh, body fat percentage goals you've got to hit and all this other stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that must be a part of this. And obviously, Dave Yeager didn't have that happening, but. If we if we look at the Grizzlies organization, this is the third coach that they fired since 2013. Right. Coming off of a playoff run. <laughs> yeah. There's some organizational dysfunction going on there. And, and it it's, you know, to fire a coach who is well regarded as a very good coach. His X's and O's are excellent. His defense, uh, his defensive chops are excellent. He really transformed that offense. And took a team that just didn't have much talent outside of Conley and Gasol. Took them to the playoffs last year. And, you know, they, they've been without Conley now for a while. They lost eight straight. There's no way you fired this guy in his second season because they lost eight straight games without Mike Conley. All, like, you look at this roster, 
Without Mike Connolly, this is a lottery team. Right. Like you built the team, uh, Chris Wallace. You you know, don't put the blame on Fisdale. So there must be more behind the scenes personality stuff that we're we just aren't privy to. And obviously Marcus Saul, there's a there's a problem there. And so if you're choosing between Marcus Saul and Fisdale and you want to choose Gasol, well then I guess Fisdale had to go. Um, but for me, I think that was the wrong choice. Okay. Well, I got some hot takes. You ready? I'm ready. Because I don't know anything. But I'm, I'm going to do pure conjecture theater right now. Are you ready? So um, we're doing pure conjecture sprints. I, don't, I, I walked past Fisdale once. I don't know the guy at all. I have no real sense except for the fact that he was like the guy who really would be vocal and standing up behind Spolstra a lot to the point where you wondered who was the head coach. But that calmed down before he left. However... Um, I think that he probably decided to take an old-school approach with Marc Gasol. He thought that, I need this guy to be the number one man. I need him to be the FU mentality. I need him to be uh, just the leader of this team or whatever. So he decided he was going to get on him. That, that's how you're going to motivate this guy. And I have a feeling that knowing, and again, I've never even walked by Marc Gasol, but I, I've heard him speak and I sense who he is uh, a little bit just by listening to his interviews and stuff. And I'm sensing that that is the absolute wrong way you'd ever want to approach him. I think that the same thing happened with Powell, uh, with uh, D'Antoni in, in, in L.A. And so if you tried to motivate Mark by yelling and screaming and getting really in his face or any of that kind of stuff, uh, that is going to make him sulk. That is going to make him withdrawn. Uh, and then on top of that, you don't play him in the fourth quarter of the, la- the last game they played. Uh, you know, th- that's going to be... That's going to be the Kobe death stare, right? That's, I don't know if they had a shot of him on the bench or not, but I imagine that was happening. Um, and I think that's a, that was a big mistake uh, if, if it was rooted in, at all in that. And I think it's pretty safe to say, right, that, that whatever this Fisdale thing is, is rooted in his relationship with, with Marcus All, right? For sure. It, it definitely seems that way. So that's my hot take, is that he completely took the wrong approach to a kid who he shouldn't have done. And, and I don't, I mean, Fisdale is like our age, or is my, is, how old is he, do we know? He's 43. So he's my age, exactly, a little yeah, bit younger than yeah. me. So he's still connected to that, that era, which you would, you know, that Lionel Her- sure. uh, Hollins era. Um, you know, Brad Stevens is probably the same age, although he's, he's sort of not in that same mindset of how, how to approach players. And so that could very well have been it. And I think he probably deserved a chance to say, hey, calm it down a little bit. Let's fix this relationship before they just fired him. Right. It, it was dumb. It's a dumb decision. It's so short, short-sighted. Listen, Mark Gasol has been a really great player, but he's 33 years old. He's got the foot injury history, and he's a big man. And, you know, you know how that makes me squeamish. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's getting paid a lot of money on a team that's not very good. And I'm sorry, but choosing Marcus Gasol over a young head coach who's, by the way, got two championship rings from Miami, well-regarded around the league, and, and a culture changer, not just a guy, not like a placeholder. He was not Earl Watson. He's not a guy that was brought in without the chops. This is a guy that has worked his way up as an assistant, was trying to impart a culture change, a full offensive system change, all these things. And overachieved with a with a not a good roster last year. He's got yeah. more upside than Marcus All, and I'm sorry, but it, I think it was a huge mistake by the Memphis Grizzlies to fire him. And I, I'm not alone. I mean, I think that this is actually this is not a hot take if you if you're reading the smart folks on Twitter. Um, I think that if it if you're choosing between Marcus All and David Fisdale, they made the wrong choice. But if you want to make the right choice and you're in the habit of keeping your face clean shaven, then you must try Harry's razors. I got to tell you, 
The handle is my favorite part. It's ergonomic and balanced perfectly, and I also love their shave gel. Since I started using Harry's razors, people have been commenting on my smooth face a lot, and who wouldn't want that? And if you're one of those bearded millennials, get with the program and let us see your face. What are you hiding? If you're wondering how well the blades are made, the founders, Jeff and Andy, make them in a German factory. The highest quality razor is for half the price of the leading five-blade razor. You know what I'm talking about. And they're shipped right to your door. No asking the store clerk to open the display case in an effort to combat the black market on razors. Best of all, if you go to harrys.com slash coachnick, you'll get their trial set for free. Just cover the shipping cost. You'll get their awesome handle, five precision-engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. I'm positive you'll feel the same way I do about Harry's, so just do it. Harry's.com slash Coach Nick, and you get your free trial set today. It would definitely help Mark Gasol's game, since I'm so frustrated watching him play. If they could ever get him to play like he's a 27-point-per-game scorer and really have that mindset, because he just looks to pass too much and looks to, and then he gets stuck sort of half being aggressive, half not, and throws up bad shots. If he could just get in a different mindset, then the, the Grizzlies would be better. And I, I just don't think at this point, you're right. Is he really 33? Is that right? Is that Dave's yeah. is that Dave years? No, he's 33. Okay. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not going to happen. He's going to be a complimentary player that you can get nice baskets out of when you throw him in the post, and he'll play some good defense. But um, he, he's just not that guy. It's not his fault. It's just not that guy. So, right. Um, you're right. He's, he's 33 in January, by the way. He's 32? 33 in January. So yeah, this okay. is 33 season. Yes, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, but he's definitely, you're right, well-regarded around the league. A lot of coaches feel like he really knows his stuff. And he's a, I would have thought he was a really good communicator. But uh, I think, I, again, hot take, pure conjecture, whatever. But it just feels like he probably just took the wrong tack and, and probably felt like he could get away. If it didn't work, he'd have time to fix it. It didn't. And, and here we are. So, um, we, which also brings up some questions we have in the, um, in the chat uh, over on Periscope. Uh, because we have talking about hot seat theater. Uh, who is in the hot seat now? Um, you're talking about, we'd mentioned Doc Rivers, but you're talking about Jason Kidd. And I, I, I feel bad because I don't ever want to call a guy out and say he needs to be fired. Um, I did the, uh, a video. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see the three-point the three defense video I did? I did not. So we went over all the things that the top defensive clubs are doing. And by the way, the Lakers were, I think, number one in three-point percentage. And I didn't say this in the video, but I think it's going to go down because I saw enough. I saw what they were doing and how they were executing it, and there was a lot of good stuff. But a lot of possessions, they were just getting lucky. Um, however, I did then show the last couple minutes were the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think were at that time 30th in the league in three-point percentage. And so they were doing a lot of really bad techniques uh, as far as like they were kind of doubling the pick and roll. And then that was leading to all sorts of rotational breakdowns and they couldn't get uh, stop the teams from getting open threes. Um, they, they also led. So was killing them on the weak side. I didn't think I realized just how bad he was on weak side defense, just gambling out of position. And that's just causing all sorts of stuff. And so here's the problem I have with the Bucks was always their offense. Right. That was the problem I had with kid and the offense. And then I'm realizing, well, Jesus, they can't even guard the three-point line right. So what are we thinking here? So, you know, I actually just talked about this earlier today. I think one of their big issues is just their defensive style is not – they need to save that hard hedging. I mean, they are, they're showing super high. They need to save that for high leverage situations. They're doing it too much. They don't have the personnel to do that for 48 minutes. I think they need to employ more of a drop back schemes and then they won't get burned as bad on the weak side. And 
again, this is if you look around the league, all of the good defensive teams, this is what they do. Yeah. I mean, the Spurs, how do you think they take a guy like Pau Gasol, who has been a turnstile, and make him a part of the best defense in the league? It's it's conservative, drop back, and then you use a guy like Kawhi and Danny Green to, to hedge hard in high leverage situations. That's it. And also, don't, you know, maybe trapping LeBron James 30 feet from the basket is not a good idea. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know no. that's crazy, but like stuff like that is, is what I see from the Bucks defense. And, you know, just to switch over to their offense so I can piggyback your comment, I've never seen a team that could play four shooters and have no space. It's a shit show. <laughs> yeah. It is a complete shit show. Uh, that Jason Kidd is on the hot seat. I think Jason Kidd's the next go. I, um, I agree. And it's funny because you, there was a moment there where I thought things were going a lot better than they were in Brooklyn. Um, they had gotten to the playoffs. They played the Bulls. And I thought that there was something happening there, the way they, the style of play, whatever. But, uh, no, it, he is of an era. And, and I, I know it all too well because Jason Kidd and I are the same age. And so... The way he's coaching is how you would have coached in 1994. It is. It's really astounding to me. And, um, and it's like, has anybody out there, any coaches out there watching this right now, have you guys ever like, been to a clinic and seen Jason Kidd there? Or I, even if he was speaking, because maybe he'd go and listen to some other people talk too. But it's like you, there's all these there's this certain, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The certain vintage of coach. Who like I don't know if they're like looking to improve their knowledge. They they get to a certain station, they feel like they're like they know everything they need to know, and it's really really too bad. Yeah, but Jason Kidd hasn't been a coach long enough to to act that way. <laughs> I mean, right. like unless unless it's just one of those things where his playing career allows him to feel that way. I I just don't get it. Um, it's not it's not good. Let's just put it that way. To to have a top five player like Giannis and guess what? They don't have a bunch of scrubs around him. They've got some good players up there. They should be much better than they are. And, uh, yeah, man, we got to get it. What do you, what do you make of the Giannis screaming at the assistant coach, uh, Sweeney? What do you, what do you make of that? Well, I've got a couple of different angles on this. First, I think it's, it's inappropriate. I don't, I mean, I know you're in the heat of of the moment, but I think, uh, for a player to scream at a coach like that, unacceptable. Coach yelling back. Yeah, coach yelling back. That's a problem. Coach, you got to just take it. Yeah. You, you're the peacemaker, right? These guys have to go on the court and perform. You do not. Um, and three, to me, that that is that speaks to Giannis's frustration with the coaching staff in general. I think that you know this. There's no way this is the first time that it's happened. You don't yell at someone like that the first time you have, you know, that you butt heads. It just doesn't go from zero to a hundred like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's not good, man. I, I, I think that, and I mentioned this earlier today on my podcast that just dropped, but I think we might be approaching, and it's crazy to think this because this is year one of his contract extension, but might we be approaching the time where we get a Woj tweet that says Giannis is uh, unhappy in Milwaukee and would like a trade? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if Giannis tweets, I don't want to be here, it's over. You're done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the first person to go was the coach. And that Absolutely. would be too bad. because. And by the way, why would he want to go? I mean, looking at it, the, the, the roster is promising. There's, there's pieces there. 
So, you know, clearly it would be an issue where he's looking around realizing that, you know, the, 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 the foundation is not there to help them win, uh, which is really too bad because if, if all the years to really have broken out and taken surprise people, it would have been this year, even though we can talk about Cleveland in a second, who's kind of coming back in there into form. Um, this was it. This was their chance. And uh, they, I, think, I think most of the Eastern Conference teams, like Washington's the same way. By the way, is, is, um, is Scotty Brooks on the, on the hot seat here? Not at all. No, I Not think Scotty Brooks is actually doing a doing an okay job. They're fine. Okay, I guess. I mean, they're they're sort of the same as they've been. They haven't really. I mean, they're ten. They have no bench. They have no bench. Okay. And I think the Wizards front office is much more realistic about what they have going on than other teams. Okay. Like like Memphis. <laughs> well, then that means that, that that the nucleus needs to be blown up, wouldn't you say? It's been years now. <clears throat> um. Not real. I mean. I mean, no, remember Beal, Beal had the injury issues the first couple of years. Uh, Wall, Beal and Gortat. Porter are all on their on their first extension. Now, Gortat, but Gortat's still a good player. Um, their issue is, is again, it's the bench. Their starting five has been really good again, um, but they just have no bench. And, and part of that is, you know, the constraints of the salary cap and stuff like that. They continue to trade their first round pick for guys that leave the next summer, you know, like Boyan, uh, uh, Bogdanovich last year. I forget who it was the year before. Um, Ubre coming around has been huge. Sadoransky has looked okay. Um, yeah, I think it was Pierce when they had the year before, maybe. That's what it was. Yeah, it was Pierce. And uh, yeah, man, it, it's, uh, you know, I think that they're what they're building, I think is worthwhile. That Jan Mahimi contract is probably the biggest, uh, the biggest hindrance to them actually taking the next step. Um, okay. Uh, they're yeah. one guy away. Yeah. And that guy might be, you know, Boogie Cousins. I don't know. You, you think it's one guy, huh? Yeah, and by the way, you are right. I'm looking at the, um, the top uh, five-man uh, lineups right now. They're number two in net rating with minimum 100, 100 minutes played, uh, plus 22 and a half. So, yeah, they're blowing teams out when the starters are playing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's too bad because I really like, you know, and I like the development that they have from uh, – oh, wait a minute. The, I'm sorry. The, the team – the, uh, the the lineup that's actually doing really well is is uh, Beal, Gortat, Ubre, Porter, and Wall. Right, because they're starting Morris. Right. Yeah, yeah. But that means yeah. So that means that uh, so that's actually well that's interesting. They should be playing that lineup a lot more. Perhaps Ubre should get in the starting lineup then, right? Because he's not starting. I, I should check that to make sure it lasts or whatever. But every year, millions of people receive the least liked gift of all time: underwear. But we still give it to our family and our loved ones who just don't want it. But maybe it's not the underwear that's the problem. It's the kind of underwear. Let me tell you about Me Undies, the only underwear that makes for an amazing gift. Me Undies has the softest fabric I've ever let touch my backside. The waistband doesn't make those marks in my skin since it's so flexible, and they use natural, sustainably sourced fiber to keep it that way. And the pouch is form-fitting like a kangaroo's. Ah, well, you get the picture. MeUndies made underwear the perfect gift that everyone is going to love you for. It's a goddamn holiday miracle. This year, don't give underwear, give MeUndies. And this holiday season, to get your exclusive 20% off the softest underwear and socks you'll ever wear, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash CoachNick. That's MeUndies.com slash Coach Nick and pursue your life of skivvy freedom. 
anyway, well, that's interesting to see. And, and then, you know, we have this discussion every year where we start to wonder just how much do uh, NBA coaches stare at the five-man lineup data? Because right, assholes like us will tend to criticize them all the time about why they're not playing certain lineups, this, that, whatever. And it's almost like they don't realize. You know, I bet they don't. I bet. I mean, you know, we've both we're both coaches and uh, I go a lot by feel. Hey, this looks good to mm-hmm. me. Now, hopefully the stats would back it up. But a lot of times, man, you have to go based on that because you're, you're making these decisions oftentimes within the game. Now, in the NBA, it's not quite as on the fly. You know, you've got your rotations. You've got your you know, you've got your assistant there. Hey, it's uh, 724 in the first quarter. We want to make this up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. But uh, you do go a lot by feel, especially in close game situations. Um, I, I got another name for you, and someone just brought this up in the chat. But uh, Billy Donovan may be on the hot seat. Yeah, it, listen, they they went big, and they're gonna go home. <laughs> it sounds like with this one, right? I, I'm gonna do a video on them this week and really take a deep dive to figure it out. But uh, we were talking on the DMs the other day about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Here's the thing. I feel bad for Billy. Do you feel bad for Billy? Uh, I mean, he's getting paid, and you know, I think he's a better coach than what he's been able to show. Right. I, I think Billy and Fred Hoiberg could have, you know, could have a support group together because I feel like both of those guys were never really allowed uh, to do what they would normally do. Uh, although you could argue that Hoiberg kind of has the opportunity now, but then the and roster is, is not good. Well, you know, so just quick aside on Hoiberg, Hoiberg's offensive stuff this year with shitty players has looked yeah. so much better yeah. than it has the last three years. It's three years, right? Or it's only two. I don't know. Yeah, I think it feels like 10. Yeah. It feels like he's been there for 10. Uh, but really, like, Hoiberg's offensive stuff has looked so much better, and the Bulls would be smart to just keep him in. Let's see what we've got. Um, but back to Billy Donovan. When Donovan was hired, I actually said this. He's not this offensive genius. He's a good recruiter in college basketball. That that's the most important part to success in college basketball. High school and college basketball is, you know, the the fastest horses win the race. If you recruit well, if you've got good players, it, you there's no amount of coaching you can do to coach your way into having, you know, top recruits. That's just that's just not it has nothing to do with it. So being a good coach in college is a lot of like with uh, if you look at what Brad Stevens did, you could see the creativity in the offense and the defense. You could see the sideline out of bounds. The X and O stuff was there. You could see how the relationships he had with his players. Now, Billy Donovan was a great relationship coach, but I don't think his X and O stuff was impressive at all. The offense he ran was unoriginal, kind of just whatever. Um, going to the NBA, I just think it's so important to be – if you're not going to be the X and O's guy as the head coach – you need to bring those guys in, and they don't have them. Like a lot of teams are like this. I need to go back and watch. I did a video on his offense out of Florida, and as I remember, it, it was there was movement. It was clever. It was like there was promising that they're going to get KD and Russ to work better together. Um, but here's what happens: he gets there. He knows. Okay, it's just like Fisdale. He knows that he doesn't want to ruffle feathers, and there's a culture already in place. And by culture is sort of a code word. 
And he, I don't think he was allowed to run his stuff. And I think he might have put some stuff in, and they simply didn't run it. Because you cannot tell me, especially in those first year or two, when they would run their offense, like no coach would ever design what they were doing a lot of the time. That was just like freelance it. I'm doing whatever I'm going to do. And then you know what? I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do because you're doing whatever you want to do. That's and right. I think Billy Donovan was like, let's just kind of keep the ship floating and see if we can get, get these guys through. And then maybe our talent will overwhelm people and we'll get to the second round of the playoffs or whatever. And, and that's... That's kind of where they got. Now, that said, he did have control over the lineups, and that's what allowed him to beat the Spurs in the, in the, um, in the playoffs, what, what was that, two years ago now? Yeah. And, and, and up 3-1 uh, against the Warriors. So it wasn't even like the X's and O's, like you're saying. Uh, it was at least he can control the lineups. But um, well, at any rate, Kevin I, I just feel like he never got a chance. And I, I, I kind of I, I, I don't want to get all the Russ fans in a tizzy, but I really feel like he is the common denominator across all of this. And I feel like, I mean, I know Reggie Jackson pretty well. He's a great guy. To think that he got so ostracized in that, in that locker room uh, on his own volition for whatever he was doing, it just boggles my mind. And, and the list goes on and on. I mean, it sounded like Serge had some issues at some point, which I'm sure he's a great teammate as well. We know why KD left, um, and I don't think it's going to change. Yeah, um, I, I tweeted out a stat. Russell Westbrook has taken... 199 out of his 359 shots as the pick and roll ball handler or in isolation. He's had 22 spot ups and three shots as a cutter. That is not good offense. Every single thing he's doing is hard and he's not good at those things. He's shooting 35% out of the pick and roll. His ISO is 40, about 45%, which is decent, but still not amazing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what they do is just he has the ball you might get some early passes but he just stands up 30 feet from the from the basket waiting to get the ball again so yeah. any early action is completely just for for no reason it's for looks yeah there's no there's no actions toward the basket um someone mentioned you know hey they run a lot of horn sets okay but horns is a set it's not like it's not like a play they don't they run actions that go nowhere right. and wind up in a rust isolation or Russ making the pass to a spot-up shooter. And, and it's just not good offense. It's easy to defend. And, and even easier when they're playing Robertson 30 minutes a game. Yeah. Robertson needs the Zaza treatment. Which, by the way, um, is, is more confounding because last year that, there was a really big excuse for all of that. Not this year. Not when you nope. have Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. And I don't know what the deal is with Carmelo. And tell me if you agree uh, with this. But it, he is. it looks to me like he is phoning it in on a 24-4 modem. Uh, really, like, really doesn't give a, give a shit about anything out there. Uh, just jacking up shots, catching the ball, holding it, and it's like throwing it up and not really running. His, his defense is just out, terrible. There's no energy. And I wonder if he gets, got there, was like looking around saying, okay, let's see how this is going. And then he, now he sees what the deal is, and he's like, this is terrible. Uh, I have to imagine this is what we predicted earlier. Paul George has already made his, uh, his airplane flight to L.A. by this point, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. And by the yeah, way, Paul it, George, I, I think, is the best player in this team. I, and I know that that's another hot take. Um, but I, there's, when you watch that team, Paul George, man, he's, he's doing things on both sides of the ball and really like keeping him in games. Yeah, I, I think that um, all those Robertson minutes need to just go to Abrinas, Grant, and Patterson. Um, I, I think that you can have Robertson out there to, again, the Zaza treatment. Play him the first five minutes of each half. And that's about it. Yeah. You know, oh, bring Robertson? him in. If, 
Yeah, like if they're playing against KD and KD's getting hot, you'd throw Robertson on him. But that's it. Yeah. And he is a net negative on offense. He really just cramps your, your space and all this other stuff. The other thing is, you know, uh, Steven Adams is a really gifted passer. And he rarely gets elbow touches. Give him yeah. the ball at the elbow. Run some dribble handoff. Um, you know, how about a split cut? I've never seen – you telling me that Russell Westbrook couldn't turn a split cut into a layup? 80% of the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like he's such a, and, and again, people are going to say we're hating, but the, the truth is you and I have talked about this on the podcast and we've talked about it just in person and all these other things. Russell Westbrook is such a special athlete and he's a good basketball player that if he just played a more team oriented style, his efficiency would go through the roof. And I actually think his raw numbers would go up. There's nothing to tell. Like you can't tell me that this guy Playing the way he does, couldn't score 35 points a game. He could, absolutely could. He'd, he'd be getting stuff easy. But the way he plays now, it's just he makes the game more difficult for himself and, and the rest of his teammates. And, you know, James, James Hollis has finally come around. Bad Russ is not fun to watch. Now, when Russ is on one, he, wait, 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 wait. he has? He's fun. He has. He's bad right now. Now, when he's great, when Russell Westbrook is great, He's got that, like when Kobe was great, right? Like he's got a similar feel. He's one of the most fun guys to watch if you if you just throw out all your your feelings about team basketball and you just say, I just want to watch one guy go nuts. He is so much fun to watch when he's going nuts. But um, he's not doing that right now. He's just no. bad. Yeah, when he's shooting over four threes a game at, 20, at 31%, the same BS he's been doing before. And and even I've been watching other games in preparation for the video, and it was like so many of the threes. He, once he makes, you're almost like, oh, he, you know, they're like he's holding the ball for three or four seconds, jab step, whatever, and then just kind of throws it up, and it goes in, and then just serves to encourage him to shoot more. Um, you know, a guy that's at this point in the season now, we're already a quarter of the way through. He's shooting that poorly, and we've seen it last year too, and all the years. You you really shouldn't be taking more than two. Like, and what I say on Twitter is. Like every three-pointer he takes with more than eight seconds on the clock, uh, an angel in heaven loses its wings. <laughs> you know, that's, that's really how bad it is. And, and by the way, you mentioned when he makes the, that early pass and then kind of stands out there, then his man is going to be thankful when he takes a three. He's just going to sag off. And you, you know what the irony is? His, he almost makes the spacing as bad as Robertson does. You know, I actually brought this <laughs> up. I, I was like, you know, if you replace Russ – um, if you put him in the dunker spot instead of Robertson and had a Brinus out there, how much better their offense would be. Yeah. I, I'm going to look it up really quickly because I want to see. They've been playing Felton alongside him a lot. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I have. Felton, uh, Felton has actually been really, really good. I mean, he's shooting like 41% on pull-up threes, which is yeah. insane. I'm curious um, to see what that two, what that it, like, what that looks like when they're the two men out there, and I can, it'll take me a second to call it up. So, before, while I'm doing that, why don't you let, let grab a question from? Yeah, got a ton of questions, a lot of good stuff going on in the Periscope. So, grab one, let's answer it. Here, here's one. Uh, Nabin Gautam two asks uh, for our thoughts on Harden and CP3 together. Um, I'll go first since you're looking that up. Um, yeah. So James Harden has been uh, having. An incredible season, one of the one of the most incredible seasons of all time. Uh, he's just been fantastic, and Chris Paul has not played very many games, but man, has be, he been really, really good in those games. And they are not turning the ball over when they're out there together. 
there you can actually see the whole uh, Chris Paul's going to lighten James Harden's load. You know, you can see that working on the court. They work well together. They work well separately. Uh, the Rockets are going to be a problem. I mean, the Rockets are the only team in the league that I say that the Warriors probably are really worried about because they're actually defending really well too. Uh, adding Mbamute and PJ Tucker, Capella has been good, although recently he's he's had a little bit of a swoon. But um, yeah, they are they are looking really good, and and it starts with Harden, and and now CP3 coming back, they're gonna yeah. be tough, man. The the um, the stats, if you look at CP3 since he's been back, I think he's turned the ball over like four times in six games, and he's and he has uh, you know he's averaging eight assists a game, something crazy like that. Like he's simply you know as efficient, he's on uber efficiency at this point with those guys. And, it, and remember, it, it all goes back to Harden, and this is what a lot of NBA coaches will tell you. Um, and I don't, uh, you know what? I won't even mention who we were just talking about. It's well, when you're talking about Harden, he puts the most pressure on your defense of any team, anybody except for LeBron. And that's what's scary about when you play Houston, because not only do they, does he do that, but they have the shooters around him, which is part of that pressure. But he can drive that all. He's going to make good decisions. He's going to put uh, get himself in the free throw line, and that's what you can't deal with now. Russ is going to make mistakes down the stretch that will give you the game. Like that's sort of what people will say to you in the in the NBA circles. They they're not concerned because they know he will do something that will cost them the game or multiple times down the stretch. And that that goes to the whole argument on Twitter where I'm like, well, what good is all that amazingness he does up in the through the first three and a half quarters when he shits the bed in the fourth? Uh, you know, well, he wouldn't. They wouldn't even be in the game without him. I'm like, okay, but again, why? I, I wouldn't even care if he's in there in the game if he's gonna shit to bed every time down the stretch. And and we know that the the Thunder have lost most of the close games they played. But but here's the two man uh, lineup data really quickly with uh, Felton. It's interesting. They don't, haven't played as much as I thought. It's way down the bottom of the list as far as minutes played together. It's only plus one point seven. Wow. And so the offensive rating is good for them, but the defensive rating stinks. When it, together with just those two guys out there with everybody else. So, you know, that's not working as well as I would have thought either because that kind of means that Russ is off ball and playing the two guard. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Uh-oh. Dave's choking. You know what? You water. came alive for a second, by the way. just want you to know that people could see you moving for a second and then they kind of gave up on us. So uh, we'll see if we can't keep that going. <clears throat> yeah. All right, what do we have? Any other questions? Uh... Somebody How wants the Spurs to know if we're going to get on the bandwagon for the Pistons. Uh, I just did a whole podcast uh, uh, with Duncan Smith of the Athletic Detroit and B-Ball Breakdown. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the Pistons, and uh, I encourage everyone to go check that out because it's good. It's really good. You want to give us a little, uh, you know, the, the cliff notes <laughs> of what you guys said? Yeah, well, Andre Drummond can breathe now. Okay. And and they revamped the offense and and replaced his terrible post ups with uh, touches at the elbow. He's okay. running dribble handoffs. I mean, his assists are up to three and a half a game. His career high previously was like one point eight. Um, and I know that's not much, but that's double. That's that's huge to be able to double your assists. Um, and then Tobias Harris has been fantastic. Still think he needs to get to the line more, but um, yeah, the Pistons have been good. Uh, Van Gun. Uh, Van Gundy was able to turn this around, and, and it took him a little bit. But, um, yeah, having Avery Bradley also does not hurt. Uh, that is true. Um, yeah, Avery Bradley is one of those guys that every coach loves to have. He does so many things for you. So, um, 
I'm looking for some other questions here. Uh, and that was, uh, that was Sham Sham God's question about who was going to get on the bandwagon with him for the Pistons. So there you go. Um, a lot of people seem to agree with us on the, on the Russell Westbrook take, which, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming for me. Uh, but I, I still don't have the energy to deal with it, uh, at least on Twitter at this point, when, when I try and point it out. Although I did realize, I don't know if you figured this out, but uh, I, I have another account. You know, I have this another podcast that I'm doing on politics and culture. So I'm following myself with my other account. And I'm starting to realize that not all of my tweets show up in, the, in my new timeline. And so what I'm taking from that is that when the people want to yell at me saying that I never show anything good about Russ, it's because those tweets aren't appearing in their timeline. And um, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to like get that out there more clearly because I think for all these years, I felt like they just ignored it, that they willfully ignored it or whatever. But no, it turns out Twitter is making a decision. And for whatever reason, the pro-Russ tweets that I'll do don't get in their timeline. Uh, interesting. interesting. So maybe it's a Twitter conspiracy. It is. Uh, they got to fix that. They got to know when I'm tweeting the pro Russ and, and serve it to all the Russ fans. It's easy. We know who you are. It, you usually have some version of Russ in your at in your name or a picture of him. So, um, you know, let's see here. Anything else we have from the questions over here in our last couple minutes? Uh, why have the Pacers been so good? That's from B shall twenty one oh five. Um, uh, I think the increased pace of play has helped, and Victor Oladipo has been fantastic. I owe him a video. I, listen, I got a lot of videos in the hopper coming up, so keep your eyes open for that. But, yeah, I, I, the Pacers deserve it. I can't believe it. But, yeah, he has been terrific. Yeah. Like he's, is he most improved? I think he – I mean, he's definitely got to be on the list. Yeah. The short list, uh, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, well, I, I just wanna, I'm just going to grab his stats real quick so we can uh, t- talk what he's doing. He's doing 23 a game. Uh, 3.8 assists, 5.1 rebounds, and he's shooting 46% from three on five attempts per game. At this point, that's, that's a lot of, you know, he's played 20 games. This is no fluke. Uh, right. I suspect he'll go down a little bit but because uh, he's never shot higher than uh, 36% in his career. But uh, that's major numbers. That, that's keeping him in games. Absolutely. Um, so Thomas Pereira asks, uh, where is the best place for LeBron to go next year? Um, I think LeBron should just retire. Oh, wow. Now, listen, hear me out on this. Um, LeBron is fantastic, and I don't want him to retire. I want him to keep playing. But he doesn't have anything left to prove. He's never been injured. He's got tons of money. Um, I I feel like there's so much stuff outside of basketball that he wants to do. And just from, like, a human standpoint, right? Like, Instead of being selfish and saying, I want to watch LeBron James play basketball for the next 10 years just so he can break records, he doesn't have anything left to prove. Like, he should just retire and be happy. You know, get into, get into politics more. Um, I know he's got the, the movie thing happening out in L.A. Um, you know, I, I, just, I just think, I don't know, I feel like LeBron has so many interests and he's such a smart guy. I feel like he might be happier if he retired. Like, and then he can subtweet anybody he wants and not have to read about it on ESPN or wherever else. Meanwhile, back on Earth, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, yes. Okay, fine. I get it. Okay. It's not whatever. But uh, he, here's my take on that because he's not going to retire. Uh, no, I don't he's understand. Not. I don't understand why he would ever consider going to the West at all. He should just stay in the right. East, wherever that is. So yeah. if you want to go to that level, I would have thought the Bucks were developing. They're going to give him a run for their money. It's to be great. And then he'll go there or something like that. But that ain't going to work. I, I think no. the only option for him would be like go to Philly. Uh, so I don't like the Philly thing, but I don't like that for Philly. Um, I think that before, so before waiters and, and JJ signed in Miami, I was thinking he, everybody goes back to Miami, you know, um, Chris, Chris Paul is going to be a free agent next summer or could be a free agent next summer. Um, Mello could opt out, right? Like if they had the, if they had the cash, they could make it work. Go to Miami and uh, just go there, be happy. LeBron's best life, right? For me, as far as I'm concerned, he just seemed so much happier when he was in Miami. You remember like him riding his mountain bike to the games and stuff like that. Like, I want that LeBron back. I just feel like like the joy was there, um, and it bums me out. Like that, I don't know. I just, I just like to see these guys looking like they're having fun. All right, yeah. I mean, speaking of having fun, did you see the tweet I, I uh, last night of his travel that they didn't know they didn't call? Oh my god. <laughs> That's one of the most egregious travels I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, in fairness, in fairness, okay, there was contact with uh, the ball, uh, and, and and but when you watch whatever angle you see, he doesn't lose control of the ball, and he comes back down after being in the air, and then jumps again and puts it in. But uh, but even if you want to argue that, then fine. That's a jump ball. It's not a bucket. And and like it's really um, and it was overwhelmingly you know people see what I'm saying and are all up in arms for it, but. Um, you know, it's still like interesting when you're a fan how you really can't see what the reality is, and then that extends across, I guess, every facet of our lives these days. So, um, you know, but it's it was it's it's still destroying my timeline twelve hours later, and I can't I can't get away from it. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I it should have been a jump ball um, okay. if uh, if they thought it was a block, um, but yeah, it was just a missed call. Uh, but it was man, it was egregious. Egregious is the good word for that. So, but what was not egregious was the show because I thought we did a really good job covering a lot of these great topics. A lot of stuff happened uh, today. Who knew? Uh, we talked about Blake Griffin, and that's going to really hurt them. We think that DeAndre Jordan's going to get traded now. Uh, we talked about uh, the, how dumb it was firing Fizdale, and uh, the, we ran the gamut. It seems like great show today, Dave. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you too. Not bad. It's almost like we've done this before. Uh, once or twice. Yeah, or you know what? This is our, our, our like 59th show. Yeah, but that doesn't count. You didn't count all the shows that don't become podcasts, and oh, we've probably done over a hundred. We've done over a hundred hours together for sure. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to think. When have we not done discuss things that were not you know podcasts? Um, we've done. Well, I'm saying periscopes that we didn't put out as pods. We've done that. Okay, quite a few. I guess so. All right, yeah, fair enough. we've done like a hundred hours. Yeah. All right, so we're getting there. We're getting close to ten thousand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> nearly there. Yeah. And, and you unfroze for a little while today. So that was good. People could see. Oh, you yeah. Just talking. long enough. Just long enough for people to see me with my finger and my eyeball. Yeah. And, and lay down some hot takes. So anyway, great stuff today. Um, and can't wait to drop this whole thing. So stay tuned for a lot of really great content coming up over on YouTube uh, with our videos. We're going to we're going to destroy it in, in December. So get your notifications turned on and tweaked. And uh, that's all I got for you. So, Dave, thanks for coming on the show today and breaking it down. And. Don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win? You win, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs>